Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show with my friend and uh, somebody that I will be having on many more times, Tim Corcoran. He's been on the show once before. Uh, phenomenal guy. Many of you are kind of in a state right now, left wondering, well, what the hell do I do now? If you just listened to my last podcast with Mickey Willis. So I have some recommendations. Um, number one, I did record this prior to Mickey and it is going up immediately after Mickey on purpose. And the reason for that is one of the core wounds of mankind is the feeling of separation. And this feeling of separation from our source, from nature, as we dive into into the podcast, it is the root of many of the issues we have in society today. So reconnecting to that, reestablishing that is one of the most critical things we can do as we imagine the more beautiful world our hearts know as possible, to quote uh, a book by Charles Eisenstein. As, as much as I've recommended that book in the past, I think there is one book that people should read right now. It is by far one of the most important books that I've ever read, and it is by Dr. David E. Martin, and it's called Lizards Eat Butterflies. I will link to it in the show notes. He does the audible uh, narration, so you get his influx, you get his timing, uh, it'll make you laugh, it will piss you off. It is designed to unpack all of the ways we are programmed including that core wound that I'm speaking to right now. And uh, I mean, I've never, I've listened to a lot of books. I've read a lot of books. I've never restarted a book the second I finished it until now with Lizards Eat Butterflies. And uh, because I listened to it on Audible, I'm going to order the paperback and start reading it. So I will have a third run of this book. That's how much this book has impacted me. Lizards Eat Butterflies, we'll link to that in the show notes. Tim's a phenomenal dude. I'm not going to get too much into him. He's been on the show before. To be perfectly honest, I didn't quite recognize the depth of Tim's wisdom until he was out in Tahoe with me for Fit for Service. And we spent a lot of time together out on the land and um, at the Airbnb and just getting to know each other and trading war stories. I was like, this guy has to come back on the podcast. And he is absolutely incredible and really important. Um, a lot of what we're doing now is reconnecting to our roots. It's, it's decentralizing and moving back to a world that lives with the modern benefits of modern science and also reconnects to the ancient roots of our elders and, our, and the, the wisdom keepers of the past. And Tim does a phenomenal job of really explaining what that is. You know, I can talk about it all day long in the intro, but there's no really, there's no real need. You guys are going to get so much from this. We dive into a practice uh, called the Soul Wander that he led everyone through at Fit for Service. And if you take the time, you take some notes, and you actually go and do this, you're going to find a lot of medicine out in nature. A lot of guidance on what do I do now? What do I do next? Where am I at? What is my purpose here? Lots of lots of uh, critical issues. And then Tim is just a phenomenal guy and he's available for people. So if you really love this podcast and you want to learn more, um, hit him up. You know, he, he will have links to his website and all the places you can find him at the in the show notes as well as at the end of this podcast. So stay tuned for that. There's a number of ways you can support this podcast, but... Uh, you know, leave us a five-star rating. Of course, that helps other people see the show. And then one or two ways that the show's helped you out in life. I think that's really important. So people know that they're getting something from this or that you're getting something from this as a listener. In addition to that, 
check out our sponsors. They really make this show possible and uh, keep us afloat. And um, we have some great sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by sportsbettingdime.com, your source for all the latest odds, betting trends, matchup analysis, and advice. Sportsbettingdime.com provides the coverage fans need to be to bet with confidence every time. Follow along for breaking news and explore tools that make it easy to find the biggest money makers and best odds. Whether you're new to the game or a seasoned betting expert, sportsbettingdime.com can help make the right decisions, the right picks at the right time. Their futures trackers covers all major leagues and more, so you can always know who has the best shot of taking home the title. You can go beyond wins and losses with betting records that reveal every team's investment potential. Get an edge on the house with matchup pages, including AI-powered score predictions and real-time odds comparisons with top sports books. Whenever you want to get in the game, sportsbettingdime.com has the action covered with every angle. And of course, NFL action is back on. So if you are watching the games and wondering, hmm, who's a good pick? Check it out, sportsbettingdime.com. We're also brought to you by... Buy optimizers. These guys make a laundry list of phenomenal supplements. A lot of them have to do with gut health, digestion, everything from high quality hydrochloric acid to different probiotics that help you in ketosis, like K Apex. But the one we're talking about today is a phenomenal product that covers a well studied, well verified blend of different magnesium products. And this can help you in many, many ways. So, with all the problems you have to take care of at work, home, with your family, with your friends, it's no wonder people are feeling so tired. You take care of a lot of different things. But if you really stop to think about it, who takes care of you? Magnesium Breakthrough is an all-natural supplement that helps you reduce fatigue, sleep more peacefully, manage stress, and strengthen muscle weakness. It even improves your heart and brain function. While most magnesium supplements aren't full spectrum, Magnesium Breakthrough is the only magnesium supplement on the market that contains the optimal ratio of seven essential types of magnesium, including magnesium chelate for muscle strength, recovery, and health, magnesium malate to help with headaches, chronic pain, and depression, and magnesium L3 and 8 to improve brain function, including short and long-term memory. This is the product that I've taken uh, through every every uh, every sleepless night. It is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, if you want to feel stronger, more energized, and get the best night's sleep you've ever had forever, check out www.buyoptimizers.com slash Kingsboo and use promo code Kingsboo10 to get an extra 10% off your next order. That's buyoptimizers.com slash Kingsboo using promo code Kingsboo10 in all caps. And we will link to that in the show notes, of course. Nothing will change you unless you make it happen. It's time to start taking care of you. Make the change now at buyoptimizers.com slash Kingsboo with code word Kingsboo10. We're also brought to you by my favorite nootropic in the game. It's a company called Sovereignty, and they are making a product called Purpose, that is sure to change your life. It has definitely changed mine, and that is not overstating a damn thing. Uh, I've, I've taken everything from modafinil to Adderall to different nootropics to copious amounts of caffeine and really fallen into the rabbit hole of just too much stimulants, too many stimulants that pulled me out of my feeling of flow, pulled me out of my feeling of serenity. You know, it's one thing to get jacked up for the morning and then you have a break and you're like, cool, I'll meditate. Nope. <laughs> Wrong again, Bobby. There's no chance at meditation. If my baseline has moved somewhere through the roof, it's going to be very hard to drop back into a state of flow or drop back into a meditative state. 
until now. So these guys are create. They've created something that is unlike anything I've ever taken. There's 75 milligrams of organic caffeine. It's about a cup of coffee, and then another 75 milligrams of time-released caffeine. So you're going to get that slow drip after that initial bump wears off. And it includes things like CGN, a cannabinoid found in cannabis that is absolutely incredible. It is a nootropic in and of itself and helps with cognitive function. They have a number of adaptogenic herbs. And like I said, there is the stimulant factor, but it is a metered dose. So for many of us, it's hard to find a metered dose. Uh, My coffee cup sizes have increased (laughs) over the years to uh, basically a Yeti. That's like a quart of coffee. And that just doesn't work when I want to meditate. It doesn't work when I want to relax. But one of the beautiful things that sets this apart from any other product like it is the fact that it will increase energy and at the same time increase HRV. And we studied this at my house. We're going to have a video on it shortly that's really going to dive into that. But these guys stand by their product like no one else. They are doing a -a one-of-a-kind offer for my listeners. It's called your favorite money-back guarantee, but it goes well beyond getting your money back. They will give you a 100% return of what you pay and in addition, buy you your favorite supplement. That's how much these guys are standing by their product. And like I said, there's nothing else like it. Go to Sovereignty.co slash Kyle and grab your favorite CGN. That's HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot C-O slash K-Y-L-E and grab my favorite nootropic. Of course, we'll link to that long URL in the show notes so you can one click it, but make sure you're using the sovereignty.co slash Kyle. That way I get credit for it and y'all get uh, this amazing deal. If in case you don't like it, you can track that and then they can get it back to you. However, whatever supplement you want in return in addition to the money back. Last but not least, we're brought to you by One Farm. These guys make the best CBD products on the planet. They use a 100% USDA certified organic single origin farm out in Colorado, and they make a laundry list of awesome, awesome products, everything from CBD tinctures to night creams and facial serums that are absolutely phenomenal, including chapsticks. So when I was out in Sedona with Our Lady Anahata, uh, you know, I'm used to humidity now and I'm in the dry desert and all of a sudden my lips are chapped. I bust up the CBD lip balm and all of a sudden I'm cured. Lots of good stuff there. I've been using their CBD products with my entire family for the past couple of years now and there's nothing like it. it. It absolutely works. Full spectrum means you get every cannabinoid, every terpene, including... Very small amounts of THC, which is under the legal limit, but at the same point, this is the way nature made it as a holistic plant that included all cannabinoids, which does include small amounts of THC. Check that out over at onefarm.com slash Kyle, onefarm.com slash Kyle, and you're going to get 15% off your entire order. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. And without further ado, my man, Tim Corcoran. Tim Corcoran, you're back on the show, brother. Hey, brother. Good to see you. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's excellent getting to see you a little bit more often. You know, we I think you're on the show maybe a year and a half ago. I want to say yeah, maybe two years. So. It was a, it was yeah, it was a while back. I first got connected to you through Ben Greenfield, and um, of course, you know, he connected to you, uh, you to me as well as Aubrey. And um, Aubrey has stayed in touch with you and had us had you out to one of our events that we just finished up for Fit for Service out in Tahoe, and you were working with the coaches on a number of things, one of which was called the Soul Wander. 
And it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, at, at these events, we're each doing different talks or, or, you know, the best ones, as you know, are, are experiential. There are ways that you yeah. don't just sit and listen. You actually get to experience the medicine of what's being talked about. And um, the thing that I loved about the soul, one of the many things I loved about the soul wander is the fact that, you know, your opening for that was really pure medicine. And I thought, damn, I should be recording this right now. We need to get this on a podcast. And so here we are today to really discuss that. But in case people missed the first episode, um, I guess, talk a bit about your background. You know, what drew you to uh, indigenous wisdom, the wisdom of the first people of this land and really starting to reconnect um, to nature and and to your point, you know, the the word nature itself, you know, I would love to unpack all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll dive into that. No, yeah, man. Well, and listen, it's, it's a great honor for me to be here. Always appreciate spending time with you, Kyle, and, and uh, really appreciate being on the podcast here. Uh, so my background is as a wilderness guide. Uh, my wife and I founded a wilderness school where we live in Idaho, Sandpoint, Idaho. Gosh, that was 15 years ago in 2005 um, with an explicit mission to help people connect deeply to the natural world. And that was based off of um, years of really a deep passion. And I would, I would say a spiritual calling to not just connect with nature, but to connect with the people who I saw were the most connected to nature, which of course are the indigenous uh, tribes of, of, of our world. And so much of my adult life, uh, I've, I've had the blessing of um, connecting with indigenous wisdom um, I've been really blessed to work with a handful of elders and, and traditional indigenous teachers. And so a big part of my mission has been about, okay, how, do, how, how can I help be a bridge to bring uh, all of that? You know, there's so much, there's so much knowledge and wisdom that really is medicine for our modern world um, that is largely inaccessible to modern people. So how can I act as that bridge? And that's been a huge part of my calling. Um, and so my wilderness school was one uh, vehicle for expressing that calling. And then it was interesting, Kyle, because what I found was the more I connected people with nature, right, the more they made that deep journey, um, not just hiking, but I'm talking, you know, all the old skills, so wilderness survival and medicinal edible plants, wildlife tracking, all of this stuff, language of the birds, nature awareness. Um, people came more and more in tune with their deep self with their role in the greater ecology of life and more aligned with their own purpose and more on fire with their passion and uh, their gifts and their medicine. And I saw that pattern play out time and time again. And it got to the point where, I don't know, maybe five years ago or so, um, I, my calling was evolving and, and I saw that it was time for me to to claim more forthrightly that, uh, that my role here is to help people really connect deeply with their vision, with their purpose, with their soul, using nature as a, as a co-conspirator, as the case may be. So, um, yeah, and that's, that's, that's what I do these days. We still run the Wilderness School, and I run a new organization, Purpose Mountain, that's a little newer, about four or five years old, um, where all of this work and the soul wander all comes from. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into you know, some of the deeper practices, one of the things that I've been drawn to, and I know I spoke at you at length is, you know, this traditional vision quest, you know, you look all over the world, it's been talked about from people like Graham Hancock and many, many others, that every indigenous culture had some means of 
an altered state of consciousness. And whether that was through a plant medicine or, you know, literally dancing up uh, sun up to sundown over and over again without food until they, they broke into that uh, heightened state of awareness or, you know, with, with a lot of the elders and communities that were the first people of this land, mm-hmm. you know, going without food and water for four days. Yeah. And um, just, you know, what takes place when something like that happens and, and how powerful that medicine can be mm-hmm. through um, all of the interactions with nature, all the interactions with source, whatever you want to call that, whatever fabric I'm made of is the fabric of all. Yeah. And uh, being able to tap into that on a very visceral and experiential level Talk a little bit about that, and then we'll 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 take the you know the the foundings of the Soul Wanderer as as a bridge for that gap because I think for a lot of people that I mean I've I've talked to nurses and they're like you okay I get food but no water for four days <laughs> I'm like you got yeah it's it's a uh, it's a it's a weird yes, thing yeah. to think about but yeah yeah absolutely well no so the Vision Quest is as old as dirt uh, a lot of people associate it with the Native American cultures Kyle but the reality is that worldwide. Uh, cultures across the entire globe um, have enacted that practice. Um, whether it was the Buddha finding enlightenment, where did he do it? Under a tree, right? It wasn't on a meditation cushion. <laughs> it was under a tree. Uh, Jesus's 40 days, Muhammad in the cave, Moses on the mountaintop. Um, there's all kinds of examples worldwide. Certainly the Native American people. People know about Black Elk and Crazy Horse and all of these names. Uh, for me, I got involved with it early on in my adult life. I was early 20s uh, when the concept of vision first came forth to me, right? And this was, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. So dating myself a little bit here, but uh, uh, it wasn't as, as much, uh, there wasn't as much awareness of it in the mainstream consciousness. So for me, it was a radical notion that my life has meaning uniquely, that it's not random, that there is a very specific reason why I'm here, a specific role I'm here to fill, and that the great adventure of life is to seek what that is. That's vision. That's purpose, right? And that that's a never-ending process, discovering what our vision is, what our purpose is, of both a never-ending process of discovery as well as a never-ending process of fulfillment. Uh, That is the great adventure of life. And so, once I found out like, oh my God, that's possible. And, you know, like a young 22 year old, I was stoked. And I was like, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, I went to a mentor way back when, and this is kind of a funny story. I, I went to him right off the bat, just young and green and eager. And I was like, okay, I want my vision quest. You know, what do I have to do? And first thing he tells me to do, he says, uh, he said, okay, Tim, well, I want you to go find a spot in nature that you can adopt, like a sit spot, uh, and just go there 20, 30 minutes a day have a little sit spot, go there every day for a year, then come back and talk to me. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, man, that's all I needed to hear. Now, most people would get a challenge like that and be like, he'd never hear back from him. You know, I was like, okay, bring it on. So that's what I did, right? Every day for a year. And I'll tell you what, man, I learned so much. And that was such a transformational experience, just connecting with nature on that basic level, 20 minutes a day, you know, all times a day, all times a year in the dark, in the light at night, during the day, when it was raining, when it was sunny, uh, cold, warm, the whole thing. Of course, deepening my own connection to the natural world at the time. And then uh, a- after that, I went back to him and sure enough, uh, enacted my first vision quest. And so the vision quest simply stated is a time when we can, uh, a ceremony. Well, what, who was it? It was Mark Twain that said, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. 
right? And I'm a big believer mm. in that. And, and that's the power of the quest. Why am I here? What is the meaning of my life? What are my unique gifts? It's going out there for those four days, traditionally four days, with that single intention and letting go of all the distractions. Traditionally, it would have been in a, in a, a small circle, maybe 10-foot diameter circle that you are bound to. Some vision quests um, do go, they all go without food. Some go without water. Some go with water. I've done both. Um, but it's that singular intention putting forth that passionate question, why am I here? And then importantly, listening, right? Making space for soul, the mystery, creator, great spirit, God, whatever we want to call that, to speak to us through nature, through our dreams, through signs and symbols and images and synchronicity um, and, and taking that journey. And it's, uh, it's an old, old journey that works. That's what I love about the quest is that it works, you know, still 2020, all these years later, thousands of years, this ceremony has been practiced, maybe tens of thousands of years, and it still works in the modern experience. So yeah, I could go on and on and I will. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a short uh, overview. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think the, the thing that's been drawing me to that is the thing that draws me back to some of these grounding cord plants that come from the earth, you know, and I've experienced the, really quite a, quite a few different, um, you know, psychedelics just to, to speak sure. plainly. I've experienced a lot of um, high dose acid, different things like that, ketamine, uh, MDMA, all beautiful experiences, but mm-hmm. not, not actual earth medicine, you know, and, and even with the earth medicine like psilocybin or, or ayahuasca and wachuma, I feel a deep connection to the earth. I've had conversations with the earth I've, and this might get fucking out there, you know, but I mean, I, I, I feel that connection it's still not the same as having interactions with the earth in real time, whether that's through dreams or, you know, a hummingbird coming to speak to you yeah. or a bear or any of the medicines that, you know, a little honeybee as, as we might dive into on my soul wander that really, um, you know, layered in some deep wisdom to me and, and it can come from anything. But I think that is the draw for me is this connection point back to something that's been missing anywhere. We look from, you know, the paleo diet to fasting to, and, you know, hot and cold therapy, like what is missing from the modern world? Well, if I'm at 72 degrees all day long and I'm in a box all day long, odds are there's a couple things that I can shift with that very quickly by exposing myself to different temperatures and getting outside more. And so there has been a draw for me for that. And as you said, there aren't, you know, even if you had an elder or somebody to work with, and I'm very fortunate, I have Dr. Will Tegel, who's about an hour away from me. He wrote the book, Walking with Bears, mm-hmm. a phenomenal place for people to start if they want to dive into this in a bridging of, you know, modern science. You know, he has a PhD in physics as well as psychology too, having worked with elders his whole life. And now he is an 80-year-old elder in mm-hmm. every sense of the word. Um, but really, you know, getting to that space, it does take effort. It does, you know, it's not something you just walk into off the streets and say, you say, Hey, I've had 30 ayahuasca sessions. I'm ready for my vision quest. It's like, no, you, you have to actually prep for that. There are prerequisites that are necessary. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that you've done with the soul wander is you've created a bridge to bridge that gap where we can experience many of the same messages, many of the same synchronicities and downloads and deeper connections through, um, sacrifice through the opening, through the offering and all of these things that I want you to unpack here. And so I just want to say huge thank you to mm-hmm. you because a lot of what I was talking about in my lectures at Fit for Service 
had to do with this. Yeah. And you're right there to give them the actual thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I tell you about an avocado all day long. You don't know what it is until you eat it. <laughs> That's right. Good, good buddy Ted Decker talks about that. And um, you were giving people the avocado I was describing to them. Mm-hmm. So huge thank you for that. And I would love for you to unpack, you know, where yeah. does the soul water come from and what is it exactly that goes into it? Because there's so much here. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're only 12 minutes into this thing. I could just drop my yeah. mic right now and let oh, you yeah. run for the rest of the <laughs> podcast. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. And you're welcome. I, I, I love, love sharing this. Let me just say one other thing importantly first, which is that one of my big beliefs, Kyle, is that as human beings, we each have a developmental need to have a holistic relationship with nature, right? That that is as important as having a mother or a father that shows up. It's important as having clean air, good water to drink, healthy food. We are of this earth. We, there's no separation between humans and the planet that we live on. We have evolved of this earth. This is as basic as it gets. So this wild experiment of modern people living in boxes and driving around 2,000-pound metal boxes with little wheels on them (laughs) to go from one big box to the next, you know, we don't even fully yet realize what the greater impacts of that are. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of results already, negative things that happen to the human system, the human being, when we disconnect ourselves. And now there's tons of studies about how connecting with nature, even if it's as simple as going on a hike or just spending 15 minutes is good for body, heart, mind, soul, spirit. Um, I mean, they've even done those studies where looking at a picture of nature is good for, for the, the, the human system, right? So I think what's important for folks to realize is that the vision quest, the soul wonder, all the things we're, gonna, we're talking about here These are all based on this very basic idea that as human beings, we need to have an ongoing functioning practice of basic connection with the natural world. And that's what my my teacher was pointing towards when he told me, hey, hey, go out and sit for 20 minutes a day out there, just immerse, just soak in it, right? Um, So that's really important. Um, But yeah, so jumping in. So I want to actually start with a, a poem here. And maybe some of the listeners have heard this, maybe not, but either way, I invite folks to just maybe close your eyes and take this in on a deep level. Take this in with the the beginner's mind, right? Uh, This poem's called The Invitation by Uriah Mountain Dreamer. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for, and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you'll risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you've been touched by the center of your own sorrow. If you've been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or yours without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own. If you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you're telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. 
If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul, if you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it's not pretty every day, and if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you'll stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or with whom you've studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else fails away, falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. Again, that is the invitation by Araya Mountain Dreamer, and it, it opens up a space, poetry does, right? It has this almost psychoactive capacity um, as we hear the words and allow those to sink in and fill in the gaps and see what that touches inside of us to open up a space. And so that's what we're doing here, right? We're opening up a space. And, I, and, and you were kind of speaking to this, Kyle, but uh, I think it's, it's worth saying for this podcast, this will be a little different. You know, I'm sure lots of folks are just going to listen to this, you know, whatever on their drive or their run or whatnot. Um, but this is really my offering to folks is, is, is for an experiential activity. So this is, I'm offering this almost like a, like a mini workshop of sorts, uh, certainly introductory, just um, base level. But I really want to invite people um, to consider taking this on as a practice, right? Uh, so the soul wander. So this is a traditional earth-based practice uh, designed to deepen one's connection with soul, with nature, uh, with the deep self, and done together in a group, as we saw at uh, the Fit for Service Mastermind, uh, it's designed to connect people deeply to one another, to build community. Um, in order, all of that, serving the greater purpose of moving forward on one's visionary path of discovering and embodying one's life purpose. So it's a really old process. Um, the fundamentals of it were first uh, offered to me by my traditional elder, uh, Oglala Lakota elder, Gilbert Walking Bull, um, who has a phenomenal story. Um, he, he died in 2007. I worked with him for seven years from 2000 to 2007. And he was in his late seventies when he died. Um, so he was raised off reservation in like the 1930s by a group of 23 holy people. Now, what's amazing about that is that in a traditional culture, in his culture, it would have been maybe one holy person per kind of hundred people who were not the holy person, right? That would serve the needs of the, of the people. But what they saw at that time was that the traditional ways of their people were literally in danger of, of going away forever. And so 23 holy people came together and identified 16 different children, all like really young, under the age of six, and decided to bring them in, take them actually from their parents and raise them in a deep, deep immersion. And we can't really even imagine what that might've been like, deep immersion of the traditional spiritual ways of the people. He was one of those individuals. 
And so he was raised off reservation with a traditional connection to the old ways uh, in really a fully unbroken lineage. Um, lots more to say about Gilbert, but he was a, a major influence on for me and my path. And, and I'm honoring him and recognizing that lineage uh, here with this talk. Um, as well, I want to remember Stephen Foster and Meredith Little, uh, their work with Hymethia Storm, Grandpa Raymond, and Sun Bear. I'm also drawing from their work um, with this. And, and that's a big thing, right? Honoring our lineage. Where do we come from? We're not all just floating out here in the middle of nowhere. Um, we have teachers. We have those who pass things. And I think that's important for us to recognize those things. So with that said, let's talk, let's break down the soul wander a little bit. So two words, soul wander. Well, so what is soul? Let's, let's try and define that. Well, right away, that's an impossibility. We can't, it's soul is undefinable. <laughs> um, but if I'm going to take a stab at it, um, I would offer that soul is one's uh, deepest essence, right? If there is a part of us or a place that knows our purpose, that knows our greater calling, our vision in life, it is our soul, right? Soul is the reason why we have uh, taken earthly form, right? Soul is the niche that we're meant to occupy in the great web of life. Just like, you know, any mountain or squirrel or moose or creek or a tree, everything has its place in the great web of life. So, dis discover our soul is to discover how we fit in this world, right? And when we locate our point of identity in the soul rather than in the ego, that's when we experience our purpose, right? So, for me, I can, I can claim this personality of Tim and he's great, you know, or you can claim Kyle and he's great too. I, I kind of like him. Tim and Kyle are cool guys, you know, but for each of us, that's just one option. I can also locate my point of identity in soul, right? And so soul, we want to think of not so much as an aspect of who we are or an aspect of our ego, but really an, unto, in a realm unto its own, right? Um, so the world can't actually reach its potential until we reach our potential, right? When a person claims their soul, connects with that and claims their place, that's when uh, you begin to authentically touch your, your, your deepest gifts, your tremendous potential that's really been waiting for us all along, no question. Uh, one of my colleagues, Bill Plotkin, describes this process of locating our identity with soul as, as our mythopoetic identity. And I'll, I'll read his definition of that. He says, that is an identity expressed through symbol and metaphor, image and dream, archetype and myth. An identity embodied in a mysterious story that whispers to us in moments of expanded awareness and exquisite aliveness. The shape and rhythm of this story reveals the hidden treasure that each of us carries for the world, a world longing for the transformative contributions of visionary leaders and artisans of cultural renaissance. And that's a pretty good one. <laughs> that's a fucking great one. <laughs> so importantly to acknowledge, wow, look at our world. Holy shit. California, Washington, Oregon, the West Coast is burning on fire. We've got the coronavirus pandemic. We've got <laughs> insane political upheaval. We've got racial protests, the likes of which we haven't seen since the 60s, uh, economic recession, all kinds of craziness, right, Kyle? Like, it doesn't take much to look out there and say, holy crap, the world is on fire, you know, physically, literally, and, and metaphorically. So what's needed 
you know, what is our a, a mature adult responsible response to that? At the deepest level, my belief is to connect with our soul, to connect with our vision, our purpose. Why am I here? And to live that and bring that to the world, right? So that's soul. Let's also look at the word wander. Well, importantly, it is not a soul hike. It is not. <laughs> this is not a hike. That's the first thing I have to tell people because everyone's got this file card, this idea of a hike. And I put my backpack on and I start at the trailhead and I wind up at the top of the mountain and I come back or whatnot. Well, this is not a hike. Okay. So if it's not a hike, then what the heck is it? Well, that's a good question. That's where we want our listeners with the open questioning mind, right? Um, to go on a wander is to go moving in the natural world without time and without destination. So it's letting go of the watch. It's letting go of, I've got to be at this particular place. It's just following one's intuition, one's heart, and seeing where that guides you, right? Um, a good idea might be for one to go on this soul wander until they have forgotten who they are, right? And that's talking about the ego until the ego has released its grip on you some, because maybe then soul can find you, right? I always like to say purpose, vision, soul, it's looking for you as much as you're looking for it, right? Like that's, oh my God, how many times, how many days, how many years, how many decades have I spent searching, questing for my deepest calling, for my purpose. And yet the moments when I connect most deeply with it are the moments when I just surrender and allow it to find me, right? So if, if soul is seeking me as much or maybe more than I'm seeking it, then the real question is not how do I find it, but how do I get found, Right. And that's, that's more of a proper frame on this experience. Like, what do I have to let go of? How do I have to, how can I slow down? How can I open myself so that I can be found? Right. Because the big lie is that we are separate from nature. Right. That's the big running unconscious uh, narrative in, in the modern experience. I get people all the time and they say, Oh, I'm so excited to go out with you, Tim, to come to your workshops. And Oh, I haven't spent any time in nature and it's too long and this is going to be so good and so renewing. And I'm like, okay, great. You know, but there's one problem with that, which is everything is nature. This building, this computer, this microphone, these headphones, you know, it, none of it came from Mars. And even if it did, that would still be nature. There's not nature is life. You know, yes. Have we adapted it? Have we modified it? Of course. And does that impact us? Yes. But this concept that we are separate from nature and that we are away from it most of the time, and then we have moments where we go to it, um, is, really, is really a problem. And so the, one of the first offerings, I think, for people to take on is, you are nature. You are of this earth. The same water, same air we've been breathing, the food, the molecules, it's all one. I mean, truly, physically, spiritually, the whole bit, mentally, emotionally, right? If we look at indigenous language, I love studying indigenous language, um, and I'm no master at it at all, but um, one of the things we find is that in most indigenous languages, don't actually have a word for nature. <laughs> and when I first realized that, I was like, oh my God, really? Like, wait a minute, what? 
what do you mean you don't have a word for nature? You, you live in nature. Well, what does that mean? Why? Why would that be the case? Well, of course, because there was no need for it. It was, it's, if they had a word, it was like, it meant like life, right? Like there's no separation. There's no need to identify nature as anything different from life itself. Another interesting point with indigenous languages, indigenous languages oftentimes don't have a word for goodbye. They'll have see you later or they'll have until next time. But those are very different messages than goodbye. And what does that point to? It points to the fact that there's not this belief in separation as much as I think most of us in the modern world have been raised in the modern narrative, right? And so we're kind of talking about a very deep level of consciousness here. We're talking about like the operating system of what it is to be a human being. I mean, can, can you imagine like being raised as a kid and never having ever heard anybody, not your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa ever say the word goodbye. Like there was always this knowing that we're always together and we are nature. Like that's really, really different than how I was raised. Right. <laughs> um, so we are nature, Right. Um, super important. So with the soul wander, when someone goes out, uh, invariably, there's going to be signs and symbols of the inner journey that we all experience, whether that's the emotional journey of healing or the journey of holding ourselves, the journey of connecting with our vision. There's signs and symbols that will be reflected back to an individual through nature, right? There's like certain powers in nature medicines might be species or forms or whatnot in nature that mirror the individual's power as well, right? And those are going to be attracted and revealed to the individual going on the wander, right? So together with you, there's a weaving of uh, what? Uh, one's deeper path, um, the realization, the, the, the culmination of one's soul path. Right, so as all this comes together, it's um, it's like a, a mythical story begins to emerge. Right, a story with you, the wanderer, the listener here at the center of that story, the heroine, the hero, and like all stories, those that story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right, so that story is the one that offers the visionary guidance, offers the clarity of one's authentic path moving forward. Um, so ideally a, a soul wander traditionally would be, um, like a full day sunrise to sunset. That would be a, a classical traditional soul wander. Um, you can do it shorter, but you know, maybe what, two, three hours. Um, but like anything, what somebody puts into this is going to be a reflection of what they get out of it. Uh, traditionally it would be done with no food. So there's fasting when we did it at fit for service. Um, I think just about everybody fasted that day, right? Um, and again, it's setting forth on a wandering, intuitive course, free of time or destination, without consciously trying to reach any particular goal, right? So as you wander, it's paying attention with the senses, opening up the senses, being aware of where you're intuitively drawn or repulsed from, and really being present with the consciousness of life all around, Right? Um, at a certain moment on the wander for everybody, and, and you, I know you had this yourself, um, you'll find something or there'll be an encounter and, and a symbol of meaning and importance, right? And you may or may not feel called to bring this item back with you. You may or may not even be able to. Um, but either way, that's a symbol 
of the journey, right? We're going to unpack this a little more. I'm just kind of giving an outline overview right now. When we begin a, a soul and begin and end a soul wander, we want to mark that with some sort of ceremonial threshold. So that might be as simple as oh, an archway, you know, of branches or crossing this little creek, but marking this is where it begins and this is where it ends. Um, you know, the truth is that nature and soul is always speaking to us, but to actually be fully present to that, I, I think, I think would drive someone crazy. Like to actually realize how much soul is constantly talking to us. I, I don't think we're actually capable of it. Um, maybe like when I'm a hundred years old, right? <laughs> but it's, it's healthy and helpful to say, this is where it begins. This is where it ends. Right. Um, and it's good to, uh, a lot of folks are probably big into journaling. It's good to journal your soul wander, but importantly, I always tell people don't bring the journal out there because you want to have the experience before you reflect on the experience. And the same goes for vision quest or any of the nature immersion experiences. You know, we're so, I think the modern human is so, especially here in the U.S., is so, and I have this in myself too, right? I'm as bad as anybody. Um, there's such a, an anxiousness to like figure it out. What is it teaching me? Oh, I got, I got to get it, you know? Um, and, and that anxiousness can really kill the experience, right? It can kill the part of us that can actually surrender to the experience. So with the journaling, I say, leave the, leave the journal at home, you know? trust that you're going to remember what's important. It's going to stay with you, right? Allow it, allow yourself to be fully present with it. Um, and importantly, uh, the soul wander is an exercise of balance and attunement, right? It's not about challenging the elements or challenging the heights. That's not an endurance contest. <laughs> A lot of guys have been there, myself included, for sure. Um, but it's about going out as the wanderer and maintaining connection with the beauty of life, the reality of death, and seeing that how both of those are reflected internally and in the natural world, right? So it's that balance and attunement. Uh, sometimes, so it's done alone. Um, I always tell people, no, no bikes, no kayaks, no dogs, just you and nature, unmediated, just you and wild nature. Um, typically as wild of a place as possible, but you know, you don't have to go up to Alaska or Bob Marshall wilderness of, of Montana or something. Um, if all you've got is like a state park, cool. You know, don't let that stop you. I mean, I've had folks do it in city parks. That's fine too. Definitely. There's something to be said for the wildness and the more wildness, the better so that that can reflect your inner wildness, which is the place of your soul. Um, but Yeah. That's, that's a big one. So let me pause there, Kyle, and just kind of check in with you. How's all this resonating? How's all this landing? Anything in particular uh, that you're driving with here? Yeah, this is phenomenal. And, you know, uh, one thing I was reminded of that you had spoken about before, you know, when you talk about the journal stuff, I mean, I've had, <laughs> I've had ceremonies where once I start writing, it's almost like I can't stop. Like, it's like the, that part of the analytical mind gets switched on. And there's so much to discuss that yeah. even though I'm still inward and I'm not outwardly speaking or disturbing of other people, um, I'm still moving into this masculine energy where it's outward. I'm no longer in my feminine receptivity where I can just surrender and, and continue to download the information. The moment I go to, you know, even thinking about it in a way of like, oh, like you said, like that's, oh, that's, that's, that's an important one. Don't forget that one. And right. I start getting into the monkey mind of, 
really trying to process the value of what's just come through, I'm no, lo- I'm no longer listening to anything else coming in. And that's such a huge one in, in any medicinal experience or any ceremonial experience. Um, I really find value in that in knowing that whatever's in you is not lost. It may not all come back to you the moment you pick up your journal. It may take days or weeks to unpack and that's okay too, you know, but that, that is a big one. And I think something you had mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm really forgetting uh, uh, what you worded, but it was at the Soul Wander in Sedona or in, in Tahoe rather. I don't think you mentioned it on this podcast yet, but when you write it down, that's one of the ways the mind actually unpacks and makes sense of the experience. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So that's the recapitulation process. Yeah. Um, all the modern brain-based science shows that the way the human brain learns is actually in looking back at experience. So we need to have the full experience and then we need a process of looking back. That could be journaling. That could be me sharing my story with you, right? Certainly indigenous uh, tribes recognize this wisdom. Uh, The classic experience would have been the young person goes out, has their experience and comes back to the council of elders and shares their story. And that story would then be shared multiple times. I know for me, my deepest stories, I mean, the quests I've done 20 some years ago, I still tell those stories. And you know, what? I'm still learning from them. Soul Wanders and Vision Quests I did literally 20 years ago are still teaching me. And so we know this, you know, it's um, whether from the indigenous wisdom or the, or the modern brain-based perspective. Yes, the mind learns in that way, but we got to give ourselves, as you're importantly pointing out, that full experience of just receiving. And so there's some trust in there, right? Okay, I'm, I'm not going to forget it. You know, if it's important, it's it's going to stay. Yeah, beautiful. Um, well, good. So the other thing, and you were speaking about this earlier, uh, rites of passage, right? So um, I'm a big believer in the power of rites of passage. And uh, that terminology first came to us from, I think it was Arnaud von Genep. And I don't know if I'm getting that name exactly correct, but he was a French anthropologist. And the early 1900s came up with that terminology. And that was after studying indigenous culture and recognizing, oh, they've got these initiations and these rites of passage in their, in their communities, and they all look a little different, and yet there was a common theme to how those all played out. And that still has a lot of power for us today. So the soul wander here, and certainly a vision quest, and all the plant medicine ceremonies and everything else are all actually based on this basic structure of a rite of passage, right? So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, classic three elements, and a lot of folks may be present uh, aware of this, but the classic three elements would be severance, threshold, and incorporation, right? So severance or separation, uh, breaking away from the known, right? Stepping away from family, from ordinary reality, from known places, and going into the unknown, right? Then having the threshold, the ordeal, the challenge itself, the soul wander, the vision quest, what have you, the actual body of the experience. And that's some sort of a testing where the individual is tested deeply and has to dig in and find inner resources that maybe they never knew they had before. Right. And then coming back, importantly, incorporation and integration, coming back in this new role, being witnessed by community and claiming those gifts of from the, the wild places or from soul. Right. So it's good to break this down a little bit, right? So with severance, separation, um, it's so important that we, that we give ourselves this, right? It's, it's the break from the known, 
Whenever I do soul wanders, we always take people out to some new place. When we were in Tahoe, we left the retreat center and went out to a uh, backcountry state forest area. Amazingly, we found this beautiful spot where the Washoe Indians had traditionally used for a mortar and pestle and the, and the the bowls, right, for like grinding pine nuts and acorns. You remember this? And and those 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 mortars were still in the big rocks right there. So it was like, oh my God, people have been gathering here for thousands of years. And what did that evoke? Well, it invoked the connection and what a special place to to do that experience. But it also invoked wow, I am in a new place. This is new. This is not ordinary. What happens to your awareness? Senses peak. I'm taking all the information in. Where am I? What's going on here? All of that's super important, right, for a rite of passage. So, uh, and, and, and of course, the old teaching, I know you and Aubrey like this one, Hokahe, right? Today is a good day to die. So what does it mean to separate cleanly from the past? I am in good relationship with my friends, with my loved ones, with my brothers, my sisters, my wife, my kids. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in good, I have clean relationships. I'm in good relation with all of all things, the natural world, the spirits, uh, my creator. I am, to, if I were to die, I hope I don't, but gosh, if I were, I could die cleanly. You know, that's, now that's a good practice any day, right? <laughs> but certainly mm-hmm. before going off on a journey of uh, encountering soul. Uh, so then we have the threshold, uh, this is the challenge itself, the ordeal, the actual, as I said, the body of the experience. And threshold, we could think of in two ways. A threshold is like a, like a doorway, right? Uh, that's one meaning of the word. So it's a doorway into what? Well, it's a doorway into the spiritual world, the realm of soul, the liminal, the imaginal, right? And the other definition, I love this one, um, threshold comes from threshing hold, or traditionally threshing floor. I'm a bit of a word nerd and love etymology. Um, so what is a threshing floor well, a, or a threshing hold? Well, that was the old uh, floor, the old circular surface, hard surface, where grain was traditionally stomped on by this in the old days, right? People would stomp on grain to separate the, the grain from the chaff, right? And the process was traditionally known as threshing, right? And in, so interestingly, this is what I love about it, Let's take a look at who owned the threshing floor in, in those old communities. Well, it wasn't like the king or it wasn't the, the community leader. It was the community. It was a community-owned place. It was the commons, the, like the village owned, right? The whole village owned it. So what does that tell us then if, I mean, if, if we just extend that metaphor one step to the village owns the community owns the ordeal. The community owns the transformation. What does that mean? Well, for me, what it means is it takes a village. It takes real community connections to bring out that greatest transformation from these processes. You know, these weren't ever meant to be something that would go off and do alone. You know, We weren't meant as humans to live this isolated life that we have these days. We're meant to be in community. And so that's one of the teachings I just love about it. But yeah, and, and so threshing, what is my grain? What is my chaff? What is the unnecessary and, the, and, and that I can let go of, you know, and, and what is essential to me? You know, that's a core question with connecting with soul. Uh, and then lastly, incorporation. Okay, so great. I had this awesome, powerful transformation and I saw God through, you know, the, the sparkles on the 
creek of the reflecting the sun and my own sun back to me. Oh my God, it was this whole beautiful visionary experience. So what the fuck does that matter if I can't bring that back and make a difference in my physical life and other with other people in this world and bring it back and do something with it? You know, that's incorporation. And it's true. What difference does any of this stuff make if we're not actually changed by it and utilizing that as inspiration to make a difference in the world? Right. So incorporation, bringing back to uh, corpus, the body, right? This is where the real work is. This is that essential question. What am I bringing back to my people, back to my earth? Um, That's where the rubber meets the road, baby. Yeah, right there. Yeah, it's such a big one. Uh, Reminding me of the book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover by Robert Moore. And uh, one other one, but one of the things he talks about when he gets into initiation, he has another one that I haven't read yet, but the archetypes of initiation. And I'm sure in that book, he talks about it as well as you could have all of these elements set in place, you know, from a medicine or a form of fasting, some way of accessing the altered state. You could have, you know, the most beautiful Buddhist temple or the most sacred site, you know, on untouched, preserved native land. And you can have the right intention in all of these things, but without the elder, without the community, without the support team to help you bring this back into 3D reality, you're missing one of the most important elements to actually grounding the experience and making it real. Yeah. And it's that it's that ability of community to hold one another and within that community, elders, medicine men and women, the people who we look to to really usher in these transformative states of being so that it's not just a psyche fracture and what the fuck do I do trying to pick up the pieces, but there is somebody that can reflect back upon us um, what's really going on there and what, what are the next steps and how do I integrate? And I think that's, that's an important piece. Obviously, you know, my, my goal of this podcast was to, to give an experience for people. And certainly I feel like this is, this is one of those things where, um, it is doable, you know, it is doable. And uh, obviously if you have somebody like an elder or somebody you can reach out to, to help unpack that even better, um, I wouldn't be recommending, you know, we're not going to unpack the four day, no food, no water and tell people to go out and do that solo. Right. Uh-huh. I'm not going to tell somebody to, to order ayahuasca off of Alibaba and pour themselves a cup and just see what happens. Like that's, <laughs> there are certain ones, you know, that are, the, the stakes are high enough where it, it has to be curated. It has to be cared for. But even still, with a soul wander in and of itself, and with any of these transformative experiences, it's so much more important that we do have, you know, that that reflection process, as you mentioned with journaling, you know, to be able to to bounce this stuff back and forth from people and to continue to unpack so that it does start to settle in and create a foundation of how we're going to live going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's there's a real danger to having transformational experiences and not having them integrated. Um, that can actually be a recipe for disaster. I, I won't go into too many hazard stories on that, but there's, it's, it's, this is real stuff we're talking about. Now with this, I will say with this soul wander for someone to go out for a few hours or even for a day is a reasonable thing. Uh, you could, a, a person, a listeners could go and, and, and enact this. They're definitely going to get more out of it if they even do it with a friend and then swat, share stories at the end. Um, and if people of course are really interested in this, I mean, reach out to me. I, I facilitate these and, and there's, there's mentoring available. Um, but yeah, so listen, I, I got a, a lot more to cover. So I want to uh, keep rolling here. Um, Let's do it. A little bit about the medicine wheel. 
And obviously there's uh, probably imagining a lot of your listeners are familiar with the medicine wheel. So it's a basic model of wholeness based on, uh, on, on the natural world that takes a look at life itself and typically mapped onto the four directions. Um, some are much more complex. There's six and eight and 64 and 512, uh, <laughs> all kinds of wild interpretations of the medicine wheel. I'm just going to offer a very basic one to give a little bit of grounding for people uh, in this. So the medicine wheel, again, model of wholeness, it provides a way of looking at the world that offers us a pathway to balance and health, right? And ideally, we would cultivate, as individuals, we cultivate the ability to embody each of the medicines of the four directions, right? Um, so as I share these, for the listeners, I'll say, a uh, couple of things, you know, one is see if you can get a sense for these directions and the, the general energies of them, the archetypes, as well as do a little bit of self-profiling, right? Like, where am I? Uh, are there certain directions that I'm strong in, others that I need a little bit more development, right? Um, so I'm going to start with the south. A lot of wheels start in the east because that's where in the northern hemisphere, it's where the sun rises um, and where we would put like birth, uh, human birth at, uh, and 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 this that's true here with this wheel. But in my experience, most of us as people, the, we don't remember our births. I mean, some people do, and I always love talking to those folks. Um, but for the most part, most people, the earliest memories are childhood. So I'm going to start in the south, which is where childhood would be, right? This is the direction. Where's the sun? What time of day is it when the sun is in the south? Here in the northern hemisphere, that's midday, right? So this is south is childhood, summertime child uh, mid the midday childhood this is the direction of the body physical health and innocence and play right basic connection to the earth uh, i love the south it's the pure place of emotion we spoke about this at fit for service right a true emotion is actually just a few moments long it might be just a few minutes Right. It's like, how, did, how is it? You, you and I are both fathers. We, we know what is it like when a kid has a pure emotion? They experience it, you know, they yell, maybe they hit or maybe they cry and then it's gone. Right. Okay. So emotions. Um, this is the direction of the South, the, that pure emotion that a child experiences. And for us, it's getting back to that. Can, can I experience the fullness of my emotions? And, and, and let them go, right? This is not like hanging on to stuff for days and weeks and years and decades. Um, well, the, dire- the element of this direction is water, right? So what do water and kids do when they hit obstacles? Man, they just whew, flow right around them, right? It's the timeless direction. A lot of people, when we did, I'll say, when we did the soul wander, went out and made a very strong connection with their child within, and I know a lot of folks are probably deep divers here, and there's probably a lot of folks listening that are very much into the healing journey and working with trauma and healing that. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in that. I have mad respect for that journey, um, having taken that myself. And I'll say this, importantly, the South is the direction where we can access our pure innocence, that child within that was actually pre-trauma, right? So for as much as the hardships that we faced as kids, some of us, there's also a child within that's untouched and pure and magical that we still have just as much access to and would do well to connect with just as much uh, as folks who are connecting with like the wounded child out there and doing that healing work. So that's the direction of South. If there's a love in the South, it's the love of body, right? 
uh, the west. So we're going to move around the medicine wheel as the sun travels. So where does, what happens after the, mid, after the heat of the day? Well, the sun travels to the west and it sets. So this west is the direction of sunset. It's the season of autumn, right? The colors of the trees reflecting the colors of a beautiful sunset. Um, this is the direction of adolescence and the human uh, development. So this is when, as humans, we first start going within introspection. Uh, the psyche, the soul is here in the West. It's, uh, as the sun goes down, it's darkness and like a bear going into hibernation. Uh, it's, we have to face our darkness, right? So the West is the direction of sh- the shadow and the dark night of the soul, right? It's the place where we, our sacred gift and our sacred wounds are intertwined, right? Two sides of the same, co- of the same coin. Um, nighttime ancestors uh, as a culture modern culture we don't go to the west right supposed to always be happy supposed to always have that smile on it's all good right it's all good but yeah how's that working <laughs> not at all <laughs> um, so it's diving into the darkness and being willing to sit with the pain like the poem are you willing to sit with the pain and not shy away yours or mine right um, if there's a love in the West, it's the love of self, not in like a, I don't know, arrogant way or something, but like, oh, I've got this huge inner landscape and I, I love myself and I, I get to explore it, right? That's, that's the West. Uh, north, moving right along here, in the, here in the Northern Hemisphere, the sun is actually in the North in the night. It's on the other side of the earth, but it's not straight down. It's to the North, right? So North is nighttime, um, winter. Um, this is the direction of adulthood, even elderhood. Um, it's the place of structure and mind, right? Uh, the place of deep service, right? To be a parent. Uh, it's the work needed for kids and culture to, to function, right? Um, it's self-discipline. It's mentoring others. It's caring for others. It's finding joy in the difficulty of tasks. And if there's a love in the North, it's the love, that love of others. Uh, East. East is the, what's happening with the sun. Sun rises, so beginnings, but it's also the ending. So east is, by definition, paradoxical, right? Springtime, death and birth, death and rebirth. It's non-binary, right? It's, it's fluid, free surrender, spirit, dance, paradox, magic, right? It's the place of listening for that sacred answer. Uh, the old parable, right? Uh, the, the seeker goes to the master and asks, master, how do I, how do I know God? How do I learn what God is? The master says, God lives behind your every thought. Oh, okay. Think about that one for a while. (laughs) So the East is love of spirit and mystery, right? So even just, this is a really short intro to the medicine wheel, but even as I offer those again, for the listeners out there, where are you strong? What, what, where do what, what do you have developed? What needs some developing? The medicine wheel is not a pathological model. It's a model of wholeness. So it's not about saying, oh, there's something wrong with you. It needs to be fixed. It's recognizing that as a human being, we're constantly on a journey of development. And at any one point in time, I might be strong somewhere and moving towards greater development somewhere else. So, uh, or if people feel stuck, oftentimes there, there is this process where we can kind of get stuck in a certain direction direction very simply look at that next direction and using the, the clockwise sunwise um, movement and ask okay how can i bring in a little bit of that right so um, that's one of the things i love most about this model it's not pathological we're always growing always moving right 
Um, so let's go from there right into intention. Um, importantly, uh, I know you and I drive on this one, Kyle. So there was this study done by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, right? And their essential question was, uh, what are the element, the essential elements of the transformational process? And they studied all kinds of ceremonies, some entheogens, vision quests, you know, workshops, individuals, organizations. And what they came down to was two things that were just absolute non-negotiables. If you want to transform, two things are required. Those two things are intention and surrender, which I just love. You know, so you've got to have an intention. I am here clearly for this reason. And you've got to be willing to let that go and be open to what the mystery has to offer, right? So with the soul wander, having an intent, the whole thing is a big surrender, um, but going with the intention is key. And if we look at nature, we can say, again, I've, I've kind of hit this theme a few times. There are only two real laws in nature are birth and death. Like everything birth is born in nature and everything dies that might be a really quick scale of like a day for an insect. It might be eons, you know, for a mountain, but everything is born and everything dies. And that's true with us as well. So a classic starting point for a soul wander intention would be what's dying in me and what is being born. And for us as humans, you know, if we're on this journey, taking it, it's, starts typically with the death, right? Like some, I got to make space. I got to clear space, let go of something before something else can come in. Um, and I would offer that, you know, for the listeners now, if you're listening to this and, and you're with us and it's like, man, this is resonating and this is activating something in you. There's probably a calling that brought you here. You know, something deeper than just a random website. Right? There's probably a deeper spiritual calling. And if you take that calling, this is to the listeners, if you take that calling and bring it to the land, that will be confirmed. It will. The nature and spirit and soul will, con- will reflect that back to you. And that's a powerful thing. So that's the power of intention. Someone, you could go with a really generic one, like, um, gosh, my intention is just to surrender. Um, you could go with just, yeah, what's dying, what's being born. You could get more specific and, and, and much more kind of honed in. Um, the one intention I tell people not to bring to a soul wander is what is my purpose? If you're at that level and you're really, that's a burning desire in you. Let's talk about a vision quest because <laughs> that's actually a ceremony that can hold that level of intention. Um, a lot of, a lot of times when I go off on a soul wander, I'll ask a great, another great one is what is the next step on my path of vision? What is the next step on my path of purpose? That can be a really helpful one more more bite size. Um, so yeah, that's a few thoughts there on intentions. And I know we talked about medicine wheel. Uh, how's that landing for you, Kyle? Any, any reflections here? Oh, it's, it's uh, absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, and I love, I love how you break down intention surrender, you know, intention is what is being born and, and surrender is what is dying in me. Um, it, it's funny because, you know, I had so much going through my head when I was out in Tahoe and, and fit for service and, you know, again, what I was speaking about, but also my own personal journey, you know, the things that I'm working on that are fairly constant, especially, you know, if we <laughs> look outward, as you mentioned earlier, um, I don't think there's ever been a, a more a, a feeling of more importance in the recognition of that. And, and really the, what I mean by the recognition of that is not like, how do I heal the world? How do I fix everyone's problems or any of that stuff? It's how do I, mm-hmm. how do I step into alignment yes. with myself? 
How do I come to a state of resonance with all that's around me so that Mm -hmm. I operate at my best, no matter what's going on externally. And, um, you know, I, 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 we showed up for the second one and we were, well, we had to welcome in the first group that was returning. And, and, and thankfully I got to hear all of this from you a second time face to face. And that's the impetus for this podcast. But From a me, me, me standpoint, I fucking wanted it. I wanted it for myself and I was pretty pissed that I wasn't going to get to spend at least half a day out in the land, but I was fasted. And, um, you know, I, for 30 minutes, I had one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. And and maybe, you know, we'll have time, uh, perhaps to dive into that, but, um, the intention surrender piece is, is such a huge one. And I think I'd mentioned you this before. Dr. Joe Dispenza has a, has a wow. huge piece on this too, yes. where he says intention is the thing that you bring to the table that you're setting a, a prayer, uh, help me with, or, or any, anything that you want to, to bring into reality, like a manifestation or right? whatever word you want to call that. Hmm. And then you surrender the how and why it that's happens. Right. Yes. Right. And, and that, that's really a big one for me. And I think it pairs well with what you were saying earlier about this, hmm this frantic state of being that we're locked into from constantly doing. And if we take that out into the land, mm. you know, I, I, I know <laughs> audio, but I'm, I'm jerking around looking over my shoulders for where, where's the medicine. Oh, I think that was something. And you know, it actually takes a, a surrendering of the need to know the thing almost like, okay, let me just get calm yeah. and relax a bit. And as I was able to do that, it was, it was just a flood of information. Mm. It was yeah. like, wow, like, holy yeah. shit. I mean, in every, in everything from the big to the small, you know, you yes. talked about that with the, the, the grizzly bear uh, story, which oh, yeah. we I'll have time to get into. Maybe we do, but um, yeah. uh, you just, just incredible, you know, like don't wait for yeah. the grizzly bear to come and teach you the medicine and, and right. Right. Present, be present and aware of all things. It could be an ant. It could be an inchworm yeah. like you talked about. And, and as I mentioned, for me, a honeybee, yeah. Uh, it just gave me so much, you know, so mm-hmm. it can be literally anything if we're willing to slow ourselves down and surrender yeah. and open ourselves to any and all possibilities. Um, yeah. When you bring exactly. that to the table, it is matched and met. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so let's, let's break that down a little bit for the, for the listeners. So best, when I think of best practices of the soul wander, um, importantly, we start with the, uh, what are called the three taboos. So no food, no company, and no human shelter, right? You're going off alone, li- limited distractions, ideally as, as few distractions as possible, right? Again, as we said, marking that beginning and that ending with a ceremonial, um, uh, um, some sort of marking, use, use the natural world, use what you got. It could be that creek, it could be that branch bent over um, and ask, for, you know, start it, make it a ceremony. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but give thanks, right? Ask for help. Ask for guidance and connection and safety and wisdom, right? There's no way to fail a soul wander, maybe unless like you don't come back. Uh, so definitely we want everyone to come back um, and, and, and be open, right, to, to what's there. Um, be here now. As, this is great. Just as you're talking about, Kyle, get present. You know, let go of the past. Let go of yesterday. Let go of last week. Let go of this morning. Let go of five seconds ago. Like, what does it mean to be here now? right? Immerse yourself in nature, right? Just slow down, take a few deep breaths, get present in the moment. What's happening? What's happening in your senses, right? Quiet that mind, like a walking meditation, 
right? Fritz Perls, the old quote, lose your mind and come to your senses, right? And yeah, open up those senses, right? Saturate yourself. Listen to the sound of raindrops falling on the saturated ground of a hemlock forest or smell the intoxicating goodness of a ponderosa pine bark lit up by the warm sunshine in the afternoon smelling like cinnamon and vanilla, you know. Feel the cold squeegeeness of mud between your toes, right? Taste the delicious pleasure of a, of a ripe blackberry you know, against your tongue. You let your eyes feast on the myriad of greens of the springtime where life is coming back. Right. If you're really brave, we had some folks do this at fit for service, strip down naked, literally go, go buck naked. Like you were in your birthday suit and experience that, uh, that awe and wonder of nature through your senses. Right. And from the experience of those five senses, a deeper sense will emerge the sixth sense intuition. Um, so many people these days are so gung-ho on intuition and, you know, me too. And yes, it is so important. But I think sometimes I feel like we've forgotten where that comes from. That is a way we perceive the world, reality. And it is a, a, it is a sense just like eyes, ears, nose, tongue, mouth, right? Like uh, skin. We have these senses, and in the modern experience, it's like they're assaulted. So it takes a practice. It's a skill set to open our senses back up, right, as, as we become the earth. But as we do so, indeed, that sixth sense is activated, and that's where we follow it. Follow the intuition. Follow uh, what I call the compass of the heart. But where does it just feel like I want to go? What draws me? What repulses me when people are on soul wanders, oftentimes they'll find something that's dark or like scary. And sometimes that can be just as much of a magnet as well. So don't avoid those places. Some, that's, those can be reflections, of course, of our shadow. So pay attention to those just as much as the places that are like, oh, really juicy and delicious, right? Um, there's power spots out there. You may, people may be called to just sit. Um, oftentimes I, I just sit and that's a lot that is more than enough. Um, and importantly, you know, this is about a journey of connection. That's what we started with. And so we know this, certainly I'm thinking your listeners know this, right? Um, how do we get connected through our vulnerability, right? If I want to connect with you as my brother, you know, you and I had this beautiful journey in Tahoe, right? I open up, I got to take a fucking risk and share something risky inside myself that reveals me to you, you know, and vice versa. And as we do that, our connection strengthens, the bond strengthens. Same goes for nature. If you, you want to go out there and connect with nature, take the jacket off if it's a little cool. You know what I mean? Take your shoes off. Um, emotionally, open up. Express something real and something a little edgy. You don't have to throw yourself into overwhelm, but be vulnerable. It's that vulnerability begets connection, right? Um, and I do encourage people to speak out loud, speak your intention out loud. Um, kids do this. You know, again, we know this as dads, our, our, our boys do this when they go outside, they'll, they'll talk to a butterfly out loud. No problem. You know, our indigenous brothers and sisters do this. You know, and yet we as modern people have this whole stigma around, oh my God, you know, they're going to throw me in the loony bin, in the loony bin, excuse me, if I, if I talk to a tree or something, huh? express yourself. You know, open that up, right? And do so 
passionately, you know, tap that passion. I always say if there's, if purpose is a treasure box, like a treasure chest, then it's locked. And that lock is a funny lock and it's got two keys, you know, two keyholes. And the two keys are vulnerability and passion. You got to find that yourself, that passion, that deep yearning, that burning desire, and you got to open yourself up, right? Connecting with what David White might call the truth at the center of the image you were born with or engaging in the largest conversation you're capable of having with the world, right? And, And so as you do that, as you express yourself, so think of it like talking to a person, right? If I was going to have a conversation, I've got to speak and then ask a question. And then I stop talking and I, I listen to you and I have to listen. I have to be quiet. It's just like that with nature and soul. So go out there, put your intention out, share your passion, give it all you got, be vulnerable, and then get really still. And then slow the fuck down and really freaking listen. You know, listen for the feelings that come up, listen for synchronicity, Watch out to pay attention, right? Again, back to the senses. How is soul speaking to you? It might be a little the inchworm. It might be grizzly bear. It might be anything in between. It might be a dream. It might be a song that pops up. You don't even know what the heck it is. And then you look it up later and you read the lyrics. You're like, holy shit, that was like the perfect answer. You know, I've had that one more than a few times. And it could be a memory of of your dad or your mom or your grandma and something they said. Be open to spirit, to soul speaking to you. Now, if, if you're like me, and uh, I think we all have this, you know, the inner skeptic's going to come up. Oh, well, that was bullshit. I just made it up. I already knew that. Oh, that's not real. Well, just put that skeptic on hold. Just give it, ask the skeptic, okay, give me 24 hours, right? Just hold on, 24 hours. Let me experience this. Let me read the book before I judge it, right? When I'm done processing this, then I can make the, make the call. Maybe it's bullshit. Okay, maybe it's not, but let me experience it before I judge the crap out of it and, and, and shut it down, right? Um, and so that's it. It's that, it's that reciprocal process. Enter into a relationship with nature. Ask and listen. Give and take. What can you give? You can give your thanks. You can give your love. You can give a hair off your head. You can make a little offering and and offer that. That's a beautiful thing to do on a soul wander, right? Um, As I move towards wrapping this up on best practices and and the soul wander, uh, again, the soul wander and purpose and soul, it's, it's not so much, Kyle, right, about what we want from the ego place. It's a and what we want to be and what we want to get. It's about what is naturally emerging. Right? So it's, it's like shifting our view inward. Like what is already emerging? What's already happening? Right? Um, that's the soul wander. And uh, a couple of thoughts on the physical side of things. You know, go as wild as you can, but don't let that be a, a block to experiencing it. Um, Be safe out there for sure. Yes, you are in a soulful realm, the imaginal. And yes, that's all real, but you're still a human body in physical form. So you got to take care of yourself out there, right? Look out for hazards. We had bears. (laughs) We had one guy, actually, remember this, who who got between a mama bear and two cubs in Tahoe. and And she charged him. 
Um, but it was a bluff charge. And so she stopped like just a few feet in front of him, scared the hell out of him. Right. So you got to still have your wits about you, you know, do a little basic research. What are the hazards? Nature is a safe place, but you know, there's some basic hazards you can learn about ticks, dehydration, barbed wire, whatever. Um, I generally encourage people to drink water. Um, that's fine to do, but if, you know, if you want to go without a little bit, that's okay. Um, and go light, you know, definitely. If you can leave the phone at home, I actually have an old school watch, right? Like I don't have it on me. I'd hold it up if I did, but I actually have, I own a watch for a reason, you know, not that I'm sentimental about it, but that I don't want to carry my freaking phone and the entire world in my pocket. Sure as heck. So if, if I've, you know, we did this, you know, if, 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 if you got to get back at a certain time, okay, fine. So just carry the watch, you know, not the, not the phone, right? Oh my God. Um, go light. One of my teachers used to say, what you pack is your karma. So go light, baby, go light. Um, and then, you know, it's good practice. Let some, if you're, especially if you're going out for a while, let somebody know, have an emergency protocol, let somebody know where you're going, when to expect you back, just all the basics. Um, so yeah, I think that that's the basics. I know we're, we're pushing time here. Um, but maybe we have a few more. I could share the story, some some personal stories. We, you mentioned the grizzly bear and the inchworm. I could do a short version on that. Um, what yeah, I want you to yeah. I want you to dive into that, and then I'll, I'll I can do a short version of just something that I got from it too. But um, okay, uh, one thing I wanted to add that you had mentioned, you know, in the talk was, you know, and I, speaking of nature, look, I I, I was like. The first time I was told that you can talk to ayahuasca as if it's a person, I was like, interesting. Yeah, All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that works out. And then I was just like, yeah. wow. Okay. No question. That is one of the ways you work with that medicine or any medicine for that matter. Um, but one of the things you said is that, you know, when you ask nature a question, you're not going to hear words coming back to you. At least most of us won't. Typically, you're not going to yeah. hear the answer, but you'll feel it. It's going to speak yes. to you through the emotional body. And if it's a yes, you're going to feel an opening take yes. place. Yep. And that's a, it's a, you know, and these, these things, again, they go into an, a knowing that's unquantifiable. It's, mm-hmm. it's well beyond belief. It's well beyond a, I think, I think it said yes. I think it said no, like it's visceral. Yep. You feel yep. it in your body. And if it's a no, it's going to be contracting. Yes. It's going to be, a, yeah, attention yep. like, oh, okay. All right. That doesn't yep. feel right. And I think that's, that was, um, one of the things that really helped me in my experience. So, but please Great. jump, jump right yeah, in uh, to the grizzly bear story in the intro. Yeah. Yeah. Because totally. These are fantastic. So, <laughs> so I'll start with grizzly bear with a reason and, and it'll all come clear here. And this will just be the short version. Cause I know what we're, we're pushing it on time here. So this is, I don't know, uh, four or five years ago, maybe more, maybe it was like six or seven. Um, so I live up in Idaho, Sandpoint, Idaho, all the way up by Canada, beautiful country, mountains, lakes, and, um, Grizzly country. We've got grizzlies, we've got black bears, we've got wolves, cougars, wolverines, the whole whole nine yards. So I had been doing a course, uh, an online course about purpose discovery with a, a pretty well-regarded individual uh, who was not using a nature-based approach. And I had, had some resistance to it, but I felt the call to it. So I said, well, I'll try this. Out. Well, in the course, what he had us do at one point was have, take a meditation, do a meditation and envision ourselves somewhere in nature uh, just in our in our imagination, and that a being would come and uh, deliver information about our purpose to us. Now, again, there was a lot of work beforehand, but I'm just kind of fast forwarding to this little moment. So in my meditation, I imagine that I'm climbing a real mountain, this mountain behind my house that I'd been to before, but I went to the very peak of it, which I had not been to before at the time. And at the peak, 
sure enough, this being of light comes down and delivers, um, it was actually a really profound bit of information about my purpose at the time, which was to support people on the, the deeper healing journey, uh, not just for that sake of healing, but actually for the sake of discovering their purpose. And this was actually, so prior to me starting Purpose Mountain, doing all this work now, I'm very doing very much intentionally now. And that was super edgy, right? Because like, when you really tap into your soul's calling, um, it is terrifying and irresistible all at the same time, like straight up. Like if it doesn't scare the shit out of you and draw you like a magnet, then you, you probably need to do a little bit more looking. And that's how this was, man. It scared the crap out of me. And it was like the last thing and the first thing that I wanted to hear all mixed up in one. And I was like, fuck, you know. Well, interestingly, in the meditation, it tells me, Tim, for you, you need to confirm this in physical reality. So I want you to actually climb this mountain and go to this spot that you're in, in your imagination. So I was okay. So the next day, again, this is the quick version. I hike up the mountain, beautiful fall day, you know, and uh, there's no hiking trails. So I'm, I'm on elk trails, right? Elk are about as wide as a human being. And I'm zigzagging up the mountain and, oh my God, taking in the beautiful colors, the reds and the oranges and the yellows and that cool, crisp, you know, oh, invigorating air, um, mountain air and there's mossy rocks oh my god it's just gorgeous you know and looking back i can see the big lake lake pondere behind me and well i found, make my way up to the top now i'd been to this uh, there was a secondary peak a lower peak i had been to previously in, in physical life um, but i'd never been as i said to this actual peak where i went to in the meditation so i get up and as i'm going all the way up there all the way to the peak now now in unknown territory um as just before I'm about to hit that peak, boy, oh boy, Kyle, all the hairs on the back of my neck just went up. And it was like, it's like that scene in Spider-Man, you know, and the hairs go up <laughs> on his arm. And, and this happens, right? A lot of people probably know this. All my senses were immediately supercharged. And I didn't know why. This is just a physical phenomenon that's happening. But I, I know this has happened before. And I know when it does, my body is responding to the presence of something on the landscape before my mind is aware of what it is. And so I'm like, all right, something's up. And I'm just like hyper aware. I go up and I'm realizing this is kind of a trip because I'm at the peak where the, the being of light came to me in the meditation. Like, what the fuck's going on? So I get all the way up. And right when I get up there, I hear this explosion of sound off to my left. It scares the hell out of me. Throws me back. I think I actually fell to the ground. It was so loud. And my mind's processing it. I'm like, okay, okay. I know this sound. That's the sound of a deer jumping off its day bed because I was being real quiet, right? And I snuck up on it and it didn't know I was there until the last second. So it, you know, jumped off, but it was too big of a sound. I was like, fuck, okay, that must've been something big. It must've been an elk. Maybe it could have been a moose. So I walk over and look down and there is this massive, like, dude, 600 pound, maybe 700 pound grizzly bear just galloping down, down the side of the mountain. I, I, I fell down again, second time. Holy shit. You know, like, dude, I was, I was 10 feet away, you know, and I was just could not believe what's, what's in front of me. Well, so she goes down, there's a little, little valley, just a little small one, and then back up. So now she's back at eye level with maybe, maybe 40 yards, with a little valley in between us. And I am stunned in awe. I'm just like still processing this, pulling myself up off the ground. And again, simultaneously, terrified and completely enthralled. And I just sit there with her for a little bit in the silence, just like in awe, 
heart is racing, about to jump out of my chest. And I'm kind of processing everything and kind of in the quiet mind. I'm you know, trying to find myself there. And then a thought comes in of, oh my God, I can't wait to tell my wife. I can't wait to tell Janine, my wife. And the moment I did that, it was like I had violated some sacred agreement with her. And she stomps her, her front foot, paw down on the ground, like a clear signal. Don't go there. I'm like, holy shit. Well, I, I spent enough time in nature to know mammals respond. I mean, all of life responds to our thoughts very clearly. And so back to the quiet mind I went, but I was so excited. You know, again, I, I kind of have this automatic moment. Oh my God, I can't wait to tell someone. And again, she kind of lets out this low growl. And, and I was, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, back to the quiet mind I go. And then again, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell somebody. This time she takes a step towards me, scares the hell out of me. You know, I'm like, okay, okay, I, I, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm like, Tim, okay, get, get yourself together. Get yourself together. Fully into the quiet mind. And I just sat there with her, Kyle, and just took it in. Man, my heart is beating so fast and I could just feel her presence right there with me. And after a certain while, I couldn't tell you how long I sat there. It might have been 10 seconds. It might have been 10 minutes. It might have been a few hours. I, I honestly don't know. Time was gone. But I just knew it was time to go. And so I stood up and I just walked off with a huge gratitude and thankfulness to her. And if you think about that with wildlife encounters, it's rare that you as the human are the first one to leave the encounter. Typically, it's the animal because they're scared. So it's something to work towards, actually, for all those naturalists out there, budding or aspiring naturalists, is when you encounter something in nature, see if you can be the one to leave. Because what that means is you have not violated anything. Well, again, long story short, there's a lot more to that story. But what the bear was offering me, and it was through mirroring and through, um, through mentoring and guidance with, with some of my teachers at the time, that what became clear was that bear had the exact same message of Tim, and, and this is actually well known in many traditions, the bears are known as the healers and with a, a power of, of connection to vision and purpose. And so it was that exact same message confirmed in the natural world. And, you know, it was some time for me to process, integrate, incorporate that. It didn't happen in a day, it didn't even happen in a year, frankly. Um, but I, I did. And frankly, that was a big part of the calling that has led me to be right here with you. Now, the reason I tell that story is because, yes, the big megafauna moments, you know, wolves and eagles and grizzly bears are possible. But you know what, Kyle? For that one experience, you know how many times I've had my soul delivered to me on the back of an ant or, as you mentioned, the inchworm or uh, a blueberry bush or um, just staring at the clouds? You know, we again, I think as modern people, it's easy for us to yearn for the dramatic. One of my teachers used to say, you know, kill the white-winged buffalo. If you're expecting this soul to deliver your vision to you on the back of a white-winged buffalo sliding down a rainbow, kill it. Maybe that'll happen. You know, maybe you'll have an encounter with a grizzly bear, but it might just be that ant. Might be a tick. Might be a spider. Might be a grain of sand. And is that really any less sacred? Can we really say that a blade of grass is any less important and less sacred than a 3,000-year-old coastal redwood tree? No way. All of life is sacred. Don't fall into that trap, you know, 
um, for me, one of my early Soul Wanderers vision quests, um, it was an inchworm actually that came to me. And I remember it crawling on the back of my neck and feeling it and brushing it off. It, it must have hit my neck three, four, five times. And I would brush it off. I, I was literally saying to it, get out of here. You know, I, I'm waiting for my vision. I was literally like, you know, and that's a class. And, and so what happened was, um, that's so classic, right? Because for so many of us, we do that. You know, here's soul speaking to us and we're brushing it away. We're brushing it away saying, I, because I, we expect it to be a certain way because we have not surrendered. But when I surrendered to that inchworm, my God, it was changed my life. And I had this moment where I, I just it was just laying there and I was watching it, you know, inch along coming towards me. And more than a symbol, Kyle, more than a, you know, interpretation, I, I experienced myself as that interim. I experienced the interim as me. It found me. That was my purpose, my soul finding me. And it was at a time when I was so racing to find myself. And it was just telling me, man, slow down, Tim, slow down. And it was the most profound thing. And to experience that oneness, Directly, this wasn't a card out of a deck. This was a freaking inchworm in front of me. You know what I mean? Like to experience that oneness, even with the inchworm, was like the most sacred thing. It just brought me to tears, and I was like, "My God, this is so the the medicine I need right now." And so, you know, whether it's the grizzly or whether it's the inchworm or something in between, to our listeners, be open, right, to what soul has for you, whatever that is, and trust. Because that's enough, you know, it's enough. And, and as, just as you are enough, just as we all are enough. And it's through that power of surrendering to nature, um, giving ourselves over, you know, with that intention, putting together some of these old technologies that we can truly find ourselves and discover who we are and claim our purpose and our vision, claim our place in the web of life so that we can make a difference, you know, so we can, we can touch someone's life life or help this earth, you know, we can put these fires out and, and, and bring back, you know, a, a regenerative vision for, for us now, for our children, for future generations. You know, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Beautiful brother. Yeah, well, is there, is there a, is there a poem, uh, one more poem that you can leave us with? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I'll say this too, you know, uh, just a quick note. If you do go off on a soul wander afterwards, I, I, w- I will say, take some time, journal it. If you can find someone who's open to this, you know, um, find someone who's respectful of these kinds of processes, share your story with them, ask them to share some reflections with you. I do a whole process. We did this in Tahoe, teaching, mentoring, and mirroring. Um, we, we don't, this isn't the context for that. That needs uh, much more in-person interaction, but just to, a little reminder for folks that it does take the reflective process to get the most out of the experience. Um, so, yeah, so I will send folks off with a closing poem here. And this one <clears throat> comes to us from Mary Oliver. It's called Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair. 
yours. I'll tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscape over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Incredible, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. You have put together many, many amazing and transformative events up in your neck of the woods. Talk a bit about those and talk about where people can find you. Yeah. So um, Purpose Mountain is my organization. You can find it at just PurposeMountain.com, www.PurposeMountain.com, just like it sounds. Um, So I do a lot of one-on-one work. I love working one-on-one with people. Um, I do group work. I lead vision quests. Um, I lead soul wanders. Um, that's kind of my, my, my biggest calling these days. I also do work at Twin Eagles Wilderness School. If folks are interested in making more of that basic connection to the natural world and those survival skills and animal tracking and all of that, uh, that's twin, www.twineagles.org. Uh, we do programs year-round, a lot of programs for kids, a lot of programs for adults, so a bunch of, a bunch of great offerings there. Yeah, uh, would warmly welcome people to check out uh, what I've got to offer. Love to connect. Thank you guys for tuning into the show with my dude, Tim Corcoran. Please check him out at his website. If you want further education on this stuff, if you are like me and you've tried plant medicines, but you really want to connect the way that most native cultures have connected to source, to nature through a traditional vision quest that's four days without food or water. Tim is your guy. He can prep you and guide you through that through his mentorship program. And um, from what I've heard, he will guide you and prepare you for, I think, eight weeks. And then you head out to his spot and you go through this practice, which is sure to change your life forever. Um, It's always going to be legal. It is the oldest way we would connect uh, from Jesus to Buddha. Fasting has been used as one of the methods to really clear and clean out the system so that antenna is strong and we can take a deeper dive into what's available from source for us, why we're here, all this good stuff and more. Check out his website, link up with him, and you're sure to find everything you're looking for in this life. Love you guys, and I'll see you on Wednesday.